You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's going on? Welcome to you Tuesday. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's your man Matt Miguez on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Producer extraordinaire slash the co-host with the most. James Mesh. James, buddy, you're looking you're looking in a better mood today than you were yesterday. I mean, come on. It's game day. It's game day. Game one. It, you you were just so excited about your Celtics. I am. How could I not be? That's that's fair. That's fair. How could I not be? You know, my my, te- my team came out of the NBA fight. My team fell out of the NHL fight. Like, I just... I mean, if you want to hop on for the I rest of the postseason... I ain't got nothing to pull for. If you want to hop on for the rest of the postseason, come on. I'm not a bandwagon you, you jumper. Can get, you can jump in the in the book sack. No. What I'm excited about is the draft lottery, baby. <laughs> we about to get a top four pick. That 26%, it, it's just... It's, it's going to hit. It's, it's going to hit. It's going to hit. It's going to hit. Guaranteed. We're going to be a top four pick. Uh, and, I, and personally, I think if the Pelicans end up with a top four pick, they're going to trade it. Or I think they should trade it. At least, um, six percent chance that is going to be a number one. I think their top odds is a thirty-three percent chance that it's number eight. Uh, so we'll it can't be five, six, or seven. I don't know why, James. Do you know why that is? No, I thought it, as long as it was within the top ten. I, I read a or <coughs> I I thought it was if it was within the top ten, you're good. Well, right. But for some some reason, and we'll have to dig to figure it out. Andrew Lopez point. Andrew Lopez posted chances at each pick tonight. Number one, six percent. Number two, six point three four. Number three, six point seven four. Number four, seven point two two. And then it says cannot be picks five through seven. I guess the Lakers just get it back at that point. Well, no, they wouldn't get it back. I don't know. It, it, it's strange. I don't know why it can't be five through seven. Um, number eight would be thirty-four point four percent. Number nine, thirty-two point one percent, and number ten is six point seven five percent. There is a point zero three eight percent chance the pick lands at number eleven, which means it would transfer to Memphis. So we'll we'll see what's what else is uh, how it's going to go. With that, only the top four is a lottery jump, and after that it goes by rank order of worst record. That's why. That's why it can't be five through seven. Interesting. Because we wouldn't fall in that worst record category. Okay. So, so my prediction makes... of them being sev- the seven pick is wrong. Correct. Okay, cool. Correct. Um, the four either, is still alive, though. They're either going to be top four or eight, nine, ten. Unless the basketball gods hate the New Orleans Pelicans right now and falls under the point three eight percent chance that it goes to Memphis. But, yeah, that would, that would suck. You know, we'll see. We got a lot to talk about today on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We're gonna dive into the NBA playoffs. We're gonna touch on the NHL playoffs. We're gonna touch on college baseball. 
Cajuns and LSU both in action tonight, both in their respective home ballparks. At 4.30, Noah Tingle, which you might know him as the bus brother. A couple years ago, he got famous on social media for greeting his brother off of a school bus in different costumes. Uh, He lives in Baton Rouge, and he is a content producer for the Jordy Collada Show. So he is going to join us to talk LSU, Pelicans, Saints, all of it. And then at 5.30, like we do each and every Tuesday, it'll be to the moon with Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU. We'll talk about Jake Odorizzi, you know, going for a grounder and going down with a non-contact injury, stretchered off the field, had an MRI today. According to multiple sources, he could have dodged a bullet. So we'll dive into that with Dez. We'll see what what's what there and get you set for their game tonight with the Boston Red Sox. Game hotline, 706-0111. If you want to chime in on the show and here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James Mesh, let's talk about something. The other day, Drew Brees posted those cryptic tweets about returning to the NFL. Correct, the Mundo. And now it's gotten to the point where the Seattle Seahawks have indirectly said that if Drew wants to return to football, that they would take him. Okay. But here's the problem that people aren't discussing. Drew Brees had shoulder surgery two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be able he wouldn't be ready to play till October or November at the earliest. He'd have to get back into football shape. Right. Unless unless he is secretly working out, but I don't think that's the case. No, there there's no way because he posted a a, a picture He's coaching his sons in flag football, and a picture that got posted over the weekend, he's in a sling. There's no way. Not to mention, I don't think it'd be it would be good for either side because where's Seattle located? The Pacific Northwest. What happens in Seattle? Oh, the beast quake. Well, no, not that. I'm talking about weather wise. Rain? Yeah. Drew's not too good. In kind of colder weather and when it rains. He would have to wear a glove a bunch, but I, I just can't see it because That's... he's never, I mean, historically, I don't know if it was just because they always like, kind of held it back and Sean was just always like, we're just going to go for more of a run game and short passing game. But, I mean, we've never seen Drew, like, be good, like, very effective as he is in the Dome when he's on the road and outside. Yeah. That's true. Like I mean, we know the statistic. It's you see the numbers go significantly down whenever he's in New York or whenever he's in Green Bay. Like if he's if it's cold, if it's wet, if it's snowing, like it it it's, it usually doesn't fare very well for Drew's efficiency. Yeah, that's not that's not wrong. And that's um, and that's kind of what all he has left is his efficiency, like his. His yards go down, his completion percentage goes down, his touchdowns go down. Everything goes down when he's outside. He's still got a good winner record, but that's because you just lean on the defense and you lean on the run game. I mean, again, it's like I said yesterday. I really think that he was just messing with everybody. I think so, too. I I don't believe he's going to go back to the NFL. If he goes play football, it would be something of a lower-level league. I don't think it would be as low as the fan-controlled football league. I don't think he would go that low. 
No. But if he no is way. to play football, it would be one of those type of leagues where you wouldn't have to worry about it. Some some like maybe how Brett Favre is doing. Like how he's kind of either you have those kind of flag footballish mm-hmm. where the quarterback, I mean, you just pick the ball off the table and throw it. That's all they have to do. I, I think Drew could do that. Drew Drew could definitely do that at this point. But seeing him strap up and put on the Saints helmet or put on an any NFL helmet, I can't see it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I I don't see him returning to the NFL. Uh, to be honest, I don't really see him returning to even a smaller league because I, I think Drew has reached a point where he's just done playing football. He's moved on from that point of his life. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Very, very interesting. You know, the the way that this has kind of all transpired. Speaking of the Saints, our poll question of the day. Go ahead and give us your early, possibly too early, Saints win total prediction. Is it six or less? Is it seven to ten? Is it eleven or more? Or do you think that they're winning a Super Bowl? So far on Twitter, twenty three and a half of you say seven to ten, fifty eight point eight say eleven or more, and then seventeen point six say black and gold to the Super Bowl. James, what do you think? I'm more on the eleven plus range. I don't I don't know if necessarily they are going to be Super Bowl champs. I'd have to see how everything works out. I believe in Jameis. I believe that this offense can do great things. I feel confident, but until I see it and I see like the instant click and they're putting up damn near forty while still like holding holding the opposing offenses to like twenty or less. I need to see that first and see like consistency before I fully throw myself out there. Like, yeah, Super Bowl, easy. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm going. I'm going to say eleven or more. Uh, I I really see this team being twelve and five, thirteen and four type of team. And you know, it's funny. We, we we're talking about win totals. Nick Wright also did some some win totals today and he had the Saints going 8 and 9. Yeah, he he made a full NFL prediction of their records. There were a few that kind of shocked here's, me. <laughs> here here here's my question while while we're still talking about his Saints prediction. These were the NFC ones at least. How do the Saints in the offseason get Jameis Winston back, get Michael Thomas back? Bring in Tyron Matthew, bring in Marcus May, draft Chris Olave and Trevor Penning, get Jarvis Landry. How does all of those things happen and your win total decreases from a year ago? The only way I can see it is if they just believe in Sean Payton that much, that he affects, that he he is worth four to five games. That's the only that's the only way I can see it and because you see, and you because see Sean Sean had a terrible time management problem. He did. He, there were times where y- you were confused on like why didn't you just take a timeout right there, or why didn't you burn one right there, right? And you let the bur- the clock burn. It's it's not as bad as some other coaches have been, but it was something where you kind of got confused at some points. I was like, I I don't know about that one. I would have definitely done maybe a little something different on that at that specific moment. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's intriguing. Uh, 
the whole the whole NFC South is intriguing, or just the whole NFC is in general. I believe because Cowboys twelve and five, that's not a surprise. I, I could see that because you look at the whole NFC East. It's terrible. It's terrible, and they have the work. They when it comes to strength of schedule, literally the NFC East they hold the four easiest schedules. So I'm kind of su- I'm kind of surprised that you don't see maybe the lowest be six. That might be a little high, but you do. We did add an extra game last year, so I feel like six eleven is the worst, even for Giants and Commanders. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and seeing the Eagles only at eight and nine kind of baffles me a little bit because I mean they are looking to get rid of Jalen Rager. Imagine having Devontae Smith on one side. You got A.J. Brown on the other. And then you still have Miles Sanders, and you have Dallas Goddard, and a nice offensive line. And the the defense is pretty good. Like You you can't hate on that defense. Secondary is kind of sus. I think the problem is is Jalen Hurts. But this this is the same thing. This is the same thing with Jalen Hurts, how it is with Jameis Winston. This is to prove it. Like, hey, we're, we're pushing the chips with you. If you can't get it done, we still have picks for next year early on where we can get a QB like Bryce Young or somebody. We can replace you. So this is this oh, is the no, make it, or break. It's, it's definitely put up or shut up time for James. And I think, but I'm talking about for both of them. I'm talking about for Jalen and Jameis. I'm saying Jalen is going to have to step up as well because you don't trade a first and a third and go get somebody like A.J. Brown just just to go 7-11 yeah. and 11, or 7-10. and 10. So I I, th- I see them also going eleven and six, twelve and five. How about this for a comment on the poll question? JBK the OD says exclusive clip from the future of the final ten seconds of the NFC Championship game, January 9th, twenty twenty three, Saints to the Super Bowl. The gif is Tom Brady throwing the tablet. Wait, Jan- he said January 9th? 29th. Oh, 29th. Yeah, and it's the gif of Tom Brady throwing his tablet. On the ground from when the Saints beat them yeah. last year. That's funny. I like it. That's that's pretty good. I'm that's hoping that's good. I'm hoping that's what it looks like. Yeah, I could actually see that. Saints and Bucks for the NFC championship game. That'd be intriguing. That'd be interesting. Well, another one, uh I know we gotta go to break soon, but one that really caught my eyes also was the Rams at fourteen and three. Yeah, that's a bit much. I that's I, a bit much. Look, I get it. I get it. They they lost Von Miller and they lost Odell. And they they got rid of Robert Woods. And then they reloaded with Bobby Wagner and I think it was another edge rusher, and then they brought in Allen Robinson as the number two. I get that. They 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 retooled. But there were a lot of points and it took a lot to have to really work and be in their favor for the Rams to even get to the Super Bowl. So to see them go 14-3 and when, yeah, Bobby Wagner, great linebacker. But you always have to remember, there's always a thing as a Super Bowl hangover. Yeah. And once you, once you win the Super Bowl, or at least go to the Super Bowl, because it's the same thing with the Bengals for me, once you make it to that point, you're going to get their every team's best punch. And you also have the strongest schedule. You 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 have the highest win percentage schedule from last year. So 
I easily see this. I see them taking a dip. I see more eleven and six. In the Rams, eye. yeah, yeah. I see. I could see that. I see that. The NFC, the NFC West is very wide open. And then because hot, might be a hot take here, but I'm going to give it to you. The Bills are going to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. I believe so as well. I think I think the Bengals. They made some additions. I like I like the additions they made on the offensive line. I like that they got Daxton Hill to potentially replace Von Bell because I think Von Bell is going to be the odd man out. I think they're going to have they're going to have to get a deal done with Jesse Bates because he's not participating in anything until he gets a deal done. He's not right. playing on a on a what's what's it called a uh, franchise tag. Yeah. So no, I agree. so I think Von's the the odd man out. You're pl- you'll have. I could even see him getting traded depending on how the Bengals season goes by the trade deadline. It'll be fun. God, I'm ready for football season. Let's take a timeout right here. And when we return, we're going to give you all things Raging Cajuns. Get you set for baseball tonight against Nichols. We'll start talking about the regional this weekend in Clemson, South Carolina, and more. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Do you want to see the Astros in person? Then listen up. The game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. All you have to do is register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a a tour of the juice box, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It is the final week of the regular season in college baseball. And the Cajuns have four games This week at home, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Tonight, they will start that four-game homestand taking on the Colonels of Nichols State. Nichols coming in to Russo Park with a record of 25-22. and They are 12-12 and in the Southland Conference. The last time that Nichols and Louisiana met was on March 23rd, where Nichols walked off 6-5. to at Ray Didier Field. This is going to be... It's going to be a different matchup for sure because this is a much different Cajuns baseball team than it was two months ago at Nichols. You know, Louisiana let themselves get in a hole early. They gave up three in the first, one in the third. So they were down four to one for most of the game. And then you started clawing back in the sixth. You get two in the ninth to take the five to tie it up and then you just can't seal the deal uh but again much different team than it than it's been the cajuns hitting the ball much better pitching has come around this is a must win for louisiana 
after you get swept by Texas State and your RPI takes a dip, you cannot afford to lose to a team that has a much lower RPI than you. Because if you look at it, the Cajuns coming in at number 56 in the RPI. Nichols is at 182. A loss to them ruins you in RPI when you're already pretty much on the outside looking in as it is. Uh, so the Cajuns definitely need this win, and it'll be more of the same this weekend against Little Rock. James, y- your guy is back. Y- your guy, Kyle DeBarge, is back. And better than ever. I mean, you look at his hitting numbers. His average is up to 283, 10 doubles, 1 triple, 3 homers. He's got 25 RBIs, slugging percentage just south of 400. His defense has gotten better. Not that it was ever bad, but here lately, you know, there's been a, a few more errors. But he is he's he's figured it out. And for a freshman to figure it out after being in a slump is impressive at this point of the year because you're gonna need his bat going into Montgomery next week for the Sunbelt Conference tournament. Uh, so definitely good to see Kyle DeBarge getting to swing the bat a little bit better. Julian Brock having a hell of a year at 321, six homers, 29 RBIs. He's got 12 doubles on the year. And then you just can't say enough about Carson Rockefort. I mean, the the kid's going to be an All-American. If it wasn't for Dalton Sheffield at Texas State, he'd be the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. 374 batting average, 67 base hits. He's got 10 doubles, three triples, 16 homers, and 63 RBIs. He's got a slugging percentage. James, you ready for this? 732. On base percentage of 431, and he's got an OPS of nearly 1,200. That's insane numbers from a sophomore. It, I just it, it's mind blowing to see the the work that the Carson Rockefeller has put in this year. Pitching, like I said, has come around. Brandon Talley, Jacob Schultz, and Jeff Wilson. Your weekend rotation. Austin Perrin ha- has shown some promise as well with a two point six five ERA. I'm interested to see what this team's going to do over the next four games and into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament next week. Because, again, there's a lot at stake here. And when there's a lot at stake here, when there's a lot at stake, if you're a good team, you're going to you're gonna do what you have to do to get it done. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen there. And then on the other side for softball, they're headed to Clemson, South Carolina this weekend for the Clemson Regional in the NCAA Tournament. They will play Auburn at 1.30 on Friday. If they win that game, they will go to Game 3, which is Saturday at noon. If they lose against Auburn, they would play Saturday at 2.30. Other teams in the Regional, of course, Clemson being the number 10 national seed, Auburn and UNC Wilmington. I do believe that this is a very winnable Regional for the Cajuns. Clemson and Auburn both pitch the ball very well. Their hitting is is okay. It's decent. The thing that, that's going to carry Louisiana is their ability to score runs in bunches. You saw it in the Sunbelt Championship game. It was a close, you know, one nothing, one one game. And then right there in that sixth inning, 
Louisiana blew it open. They hit four home runs, scored six runs total. You score runs in bunches, and that's how Louisiana is able to beat a lot of the teams that they play. So it'll be interesting to see how they compete against high-quality competition this weekend in the NCAA Regional. This team is showing a lot of promise for years to come with several freshmen making big impacts uh, for Jerry Glasgow and his staff. As a reminder, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, they want to upgrade your experience for downtown rising. It's the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience. Score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. All you have to do is register in the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to get those VIP passes for Saturday, June 4th. The ultimate downtown rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Rage and Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. When we return, Noah Tingle, the bus brother from the Jordy Collada Show, is going to join us to talk Tigers, Saints, Pelicans, and so much more right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. As a reminder, the game hotline 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. It's time to get some insight into the Tigers, the Saints, and the Pelicans with our guy Noah Tingle. You might know him as the bus brother from social media. Noah, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm doing good. Man, it's good to have you. First, you know, I know it's been a couple years, but I've got to get your take on it. How did the bus brother thing come about? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of it was kind of a, a spontaneous moment um, one day, and the first video actually never even went out. Um, but you know, I decided to keep putting, you know, these, these, these costumes on to get my brother off the bus and my mom made a Facebook page and local news picked it up. And then the next morning, you know, I was on good morning America. And so it was just, it was very fast, but it was a cool experience. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. So now, you know, now you're doing some content producing work for, for the Jordy Collada show, as well as you have your own page. Talk about that. Talk about, you know, your ventures right now. Yeah, I mean, um, it's been a little over a year with the Jordy. Um, you know, it's been a startup with the Jordy Collada show. Uh, and I came in as an intern, and now I, I run the social media, and I'm an on-air presence um, on the show. And then, you know, we've we've extended into the Cloud Demons on Sunday night, which is the show that I host. Um, but, I mean, it's been a great experience to, you know, to, to get to fulfill a dream and working in the industry, um, but to also get to cover – you know, my favorite teams like LSU, the Saints, the Pelicans, stuff like that. You know, it's been awesome, um, and I can't wait to see, you know, where it goes from here. 
chatting with Noah Tingle here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. All right, Noah, you, you posted a video earlier today talking about Sean Phillips, the new center that Matt McMahon just brought in to fill out his 13-man roster. Talk about this guy. Talk about what he's going to bring to Matt McMahon's team. Yeah, I mean, Sean Phillips, is he's a four-star, seven-footer. Um, and, you know, he's a, he's a raw prospect, but, you know, he's 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 big time. He's a, you know, old-school type of player. You know, he's not going to stretch the floor, but he's going to bang down low. He brings, you know, intensity. He's got a high motor. Um, he reminds me a lot of, you know, like Bam Adebayo coming out of high school where he's going to rim run. Um, he's going he's gonna to protect the, the rim on defense. Um, but he's also going to be able to be a spark either if he comes off the bench or, you know, he's in the starting lineup. Um, and it's also the exact piece that Matt McMahon needed to round out this team. He, he was missing, you know, some size. They were very guard-heavy this offseason. Um, and with the addition of, of Sean Phillips and K.J. Williams, the transfer from Murray State, you know, he solved that problem. What pieces off of that roster that, that Matt McMahon has now put together? Talk about some of the pieces that impress you the most and who, who's going to bring the most to this team. Yeah, I mean, being able, being able to get players to return um, like Monty Wilkinson and Justice Williams are huge. But the, the biggest piece, the biggest return is uh, Adam Miller. I mean, Adam Miller was a guy that transferred from Illinois, um, had a great freshman season, and he was expected to be, you know, LSU's star player last year before he went down with an ACL injury right before the season. Um, and he was highly sought after when he entered the portal after Will Wade's exit. And, you know, for Matt McMahon to be able to get him back, you know, a legit 20-point-a-night score um, that also is such a great leader um, and really wants to prove himself as huge um, for the offense. Um, and then there's guys like Justice Hill, um, and K.J. Williams that he gets from his former school, Murray State, um, that already have terrific chemistry. They know the coach. Um, they're going to be able to help lead this group. Now, transitioning to baseball, you know, get swept by Ole Miss over the weekend, and now you've got Northwestern State coming to Alex Box tonight, and then you got to go to Nashville to play three against Vandy before the SEC tournament. Where do you think the mindset is of LSU baseball right now? Yeah, I mean, LSU baseball, you know, it feels like some, a lot of times they get in a position like this coming down the stretch, you know, where they have to pull off some magic. Um, and, and, you know, this past weekend was rough because they seem to be, you know, starting that magic winning series against, you know, Alabama and, and Georgia. <clears throat> and then, you know, having Ole Miss come in and, and, and sweep the Tigers was, was just tough because it bounces them out of um, contention at the moment for a regional to be able to host a regional um, so, I mean, it, it, the playoffs start now for LSU. The postseason starts now. Um, after, after you know, the game against Northwestern, you have to look at Vanderbilt like it's, like it's a postseason game. Um, and then going into the SEC tournament, you really have to make some noise. Chatting with Noah Tingle from the Jordy Collada Show here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Softball, Noah, they're going to Tempe, Arizona for the regional with Arizona State, San Diego State, and Cal State Fullerton. You know, for on on the surface, it seems like this is a pretty tough draw for LSU. But what can you tell us about about this matchup? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a tough draw for LSU. Arizona State um, is a team that can really just mash the ball um, and was able to 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 hit so well throughout the whole season. Um, and and LSU kind of had a, a slow start, 
um, with players like Taylor Pleasance. I mean, she she really started to ramp up, you know, over the second half of the season when they got into SEC play. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a tough draw, but LSU started to play, you know, better as the season went on. They had, you know, a rough series in the SEC tournament, but uh, they they have the potential to be able to make some noise in the postseason. Let's transition to the New Orleans Saints now. You know, minicamp started a couple of days ago. Just give us your thoughts on on what you guys have seen out of minicamp. You know, how does Chris Olave look? You know, Jarvis Landry now joining the team. Just kind of an overview on the Saints. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Saints, just you know, a, a couple months ago, you're you're, you're questioning you know, how competitive they're going to be after losing Sean Payton, um, being in a year of transition. And then they go out and add pieces like Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave. You know, you have Michael Thomas coming back, um, you know, fixing some of that safety depth that you lost with Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins leaving um, with the addition of Marcus May. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're contenders again. They went from, from you know, being questionable to, to being legit contenders in the NFC because you've seen so much – um, movement in some of those teams in the NFC South. You know, you have Tom Brady leave and then come back, um, and Bruce Arians is no longer the head coach, and the Falcons lose Matt Ryan. Um, and so the NFC South looks like it could be the Saints this season on what some of the moves they've made. But the biggest the biggest improvement is that wide receiver room. I mean, they played all of last season. Um, they didn't have a receiver with 700-plus yards. I mean, they played with guys that are now their wide receiver four, five, and six. Um, and so now they have a legit top five room with Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave. Um, and, and from what I've heard, Chris Olave is really impressed um, during minicamp with his route running ability, which we already knew was going to be, you know, almost you know pro ready, you know, since he's been in college. Um, but he, he gives Jameis Winston a deep threat, and you know, with that wide receiver room, it really puts the pressure on Jameis to go out and improve it this season. And then you know. Last thing that I'm, I want to touch on you with is the Pelicans. The the draft lottery being tonight, you know, there's a six percent chance they could land a number one pick, twenty five percent chance that they're going to land a top four. Where do you think? Where do you think they fit in? Yeah, I mean, to be able to get in the top four would be absolutely amazing. Um, but really, being able to have a top ten pick in general after such a successful um, end of the season. Um, and, and have so much young depth. But to be able to fall into the top four and have a shot at a guy like Jabari Smith or, you know, Jaden Ivey, who I think is the best fit for the Pelicans at this point um, because they just need a little bit more of that guard depth. Um, and he seems like an instant impact type of guy um, with all the comparisons to, to John Morant that he's picked up uh, and, and he should get. Um, but for the Pelicans to be able to get a top ten pick is huge because then there's potential, you know, if they're, if they're at eight, nine, or ten, um, you can get a guy like A.J. Griffin, which solves some of that three-point shooting um, problem that we, we saw the Pelicans have as the season went on. Um, but just to be able to add another young piece to a team that's so good with young players, you know, being able to get Zion Williamson back um, next season and then having Brandon Ingram, who's a young leader, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado. I mean, just guys that are young and have so much potential. To be able to add another piece um, through the draft is huge. Um, so I'm excited to see where they fall tonight. Um, because it just it, it really they really have a chance to fill some needs either if they go eight through ten or if they're one through four. Fantastic stuff, Noah. Appreciate you taking the time. Tell our listeners where they can find your stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm on I'm on Instagram and Twitter at, at Noah B. Tingle. Um, and then you can find me on the Colada Show, at Colada Show, on all social media. And then there's also uh, the Clout Demons Show, which is my Sunday night show, at Clout Demons underscore. Um, you can find me on all of those. Fantastic, Noah. Really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon, my friend. I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good one. Before we take a timeout, the XFL has announced a multi-year broadcast agreement with the Walt Disney Company and ESPN. James, the XFL is coming back. There's going to be another pro football league. Third time's a charm? Hey, might be. I mean, I mean dude. And this time you're partnering with Disney? I mean, come on. Two words. The Rock. Oh. The Rock's The Rock owns the XFL. Yeah. I knew when he took it over that it, things were going to improve for them. Yeah, so it's a it's a 5-year deal from 2023 to 2027. Each season all 43 games, which includes 40 regular season, two playoff and the championship will be featured on a combination of ABC the ESPN networks, and FX. Additionally, the agreement includes exclusive content rights across the Walt Disney Company and ESPN's digital, social, and direct-to-consumer outlets such as ESPN+. The XFL also announced today that their 2023 season will kick off on Saturday, February 18th, 2023. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. That's right. See it before anyone else by simply texting Top Gun to 68683. Once again, Top Gun to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek coming up May 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the Top Gun sneak preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one on the other side. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, let's do this. I, I saw this post from Saturday Down South about post spring football categories. So basically the way it the way it works is it's a graphic and there's an adjective. And then under the adjective, there is a team. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read you the adjective. You tell me who you, what team you think fits under that adjective. Okay. And we'll I like this. We'll 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 play we'll play this game. I love playing guessing games. All right. The favorite. This this is NFL teams. SEC. Oh SEC. Uh, Alabama. Yeah. Overrated. Overrated. Florida. No no no. It wouldn't be Florida. It. Mm, would it be Georgia? No. Georgia's not on this list, surprisingly. Georgia's, how the, what? Okay. So, is it... 
It's an SEC West school, if that helps you at all. Is it LSU? No, it's Texas A&M. Okay. That's fair because they did say, uh, like, oh, this is the best draft class. This is no. the best uh, This is the best class ever. Right. Like, it's, a, it's A&M. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Underrated. 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 What, that wouldn't be Florida? Ole Miss. Okay. Lane right. Kiffin, man. Lane Kiffin's a guru. Your sleeper in the SEC. Sleeper. Wouldn't be Mississippi State. No. Mm. Not at all, actually. <laughs> They're coming a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, would it be underrated? Would that one be Florida? Everyone's sleeping on it since it's Napier's first year. Kentucky. Florida's mm. Florida's not on this list either. Are there any schools on this list? Yeah, there's nine of them. So, I, so you're missing Georgia, Florida, and... I mean, there was an in there another Tennessee's one. Tennessee's not on here. Um, like I thought this, I thought this was about the SEC. It is. We're there's, not including all the SEC teams. There's there's nine of the fourteen SEC teams on here. So we're Vandy's we're, we're not barely on here. we're barely getting over half. Uh, um, that was this list. Hey man, I didn't make the I didn't make the list. Oh my! I didn't make the list. That's all right. So who's your SEC hopeful? I need like a I need to like mentally block off the one. So Ole Miss is done. Correct. A and M's done. It, Alabama's done. Kentucky's done. And 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 also Georgia, Florida, yeah. Vandy, Missouri are all not on the list. Correct. So you said it's the hopeful. Yeah. Uh, is that one LSU? No. South Carolina. What? Well, you got to think. South Carolina just got Spencer Rattler. They just got Spencer Rattler to train transfer in from Oklahoma. So, and then you hire Shane Beamer. That's a revamped. That's a revamped football team. I feel like I've been set up to fail. They could. They could be hopeful. Um. Um. Who is hopeless? And it's not LSU. I wasn't gonna say LSU. Is that one? Is that one Arkansas? Ooh, close. Auburn. You were close. Oh my god. Okay. You were close. Most improved. Is this one LSU? Correct. Okay. That is LSU. Oh, I fucking get that off my chest. Lord. Who's got the best fan base? So, it's not it's not Vandy. No, Ole Miss is done. Yes, this is fun. Auburn's done. Yes, Tennessee's not on the list. No, Kentucky's done. Done. LSU's done. Yes. Best fan base you said? Yeah. Not Georgia. No. Not South Carolina. No. Not Alabama. Will, not Georgia. I will give you a hint. Okay. You've already said their team name. Is it Arkansas? It is. Okay. And then lastly, who is irrelevant? Process of elimination. Missouri? Mississippi State. Oh, wait, did you say Missouri was off the list? Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah. I had the other two flipped. Right. Oh. Yeah, Mississippi State is irrelevant, which I find hilarious. 
I wish I would have known what wasn't on the list before this. Yeah, that's my fault. I should have I should have filled you in on that. But I I was scrolling through Twitter during the break and I saw that. And it I was just, just kind of a last minute edition. Right. I, I thought, hey, you know, it'd be cool to talk about that. So I had to do it. But uh, in hour number two, we're gonna do some NBA playoffs. We're gonna touch on the NFL as well, the NHL as well. Plus, take your phone calls and we'll do some Houston Astros with to the moon Tuesdays. Update the poll question real quick. Early Saints win total projections. Six or less, 0%. 26% say 7 to 10. 49% say 11 or more. And 26% say the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Could we see a black and gold Super Bowl in 2022? Maybe. Bill Saints? Maybe. I wouldn't put it past this group. On Facebook, you've got a couple of comments. Paul LeBrere says 9 or 10. David Ackman Jr. says 7 to 10. And then Aaron Widkamp says 11 or more. Our number one has come and it has gone. Once again, our number two, NBA, NF, NHL, and so much more. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, producer extraordinaire, James Mesh. James, have you had just the most fun today? Yeah, it's been pretty fun. Yeah, it's been pretty fun. Why? Come Why? on, man. What? Where's the energy? Where's the emotion? It's game day. It is game day, but I got to save the emotion for the game. What's your prediction? Well, we'll talk about it next segment, but after after seeing the news that I saw, uh, I don't know how I feel. Yeah, bro. I, I'm, it's, it's, I'm, I'm in a weird void right now, now that I know that a couple of starters are out. Yeah, bro. Marcus Smart out with that foot sprain that he suffered. And then Al Horford is in health and safety protocols. Yikes. That is not good. I just got Woj Bomb before, before before we hit the second hour. Especially not for game one. Like, that's just not... But, okay, that's the thing is, I'm fine. Like, if somebody's going to get injured, I'd rather get... I'd rather them be injured... During the first couple of games. Especially with them being on the road. It's in Miami start. Since Miami was the one seat. So that one. That one. This doesn't hurt as bad. Let's say the Celtics do lose. And they go down 0-1. It's not the end of the world to me. Because you still. You're still early on the series. And and if, if you're going to have players injured. I'd rather them get out the way now. Yeah. That's that's fair. I've just I've always been the type of person where if you could win game one, you put even more pressure on them than they originally had. 
not to say that the Heat have no pressure as it is, but again, like I said, if you win game one, that puts even more added pressure for them to make a statement and get another win. Having having strong starts are nice, but I've always been a proponent of finishing. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And Celtics went down 0-1 in the series against the Bucks. They they got punched in the mouth themselves game one and came back game two. And did and did it right back. So game one isn't the most important thing to me. I would say once you hit game three and beyond, that's when it's like, okay, like this is crunch time. That's fair. That's fair. In hour number one, we touched on the Tigers. We touched on the Cajuns. We touched on some national headlines. SEC, what's going to happen with the XFL is they just signed a new five-year deal with ESPN and Disney. Let's look at just general, a little bit more of national headlines Matt Harvey, the MLB pitcher most recently for the New York Mets, has been suspended for 60 games, the league announced today, after distributing a drug of abuse. He's currently with the Baltimore Orioles at the team's extended spring training facility, said in February that he provided oxycodone to late Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs. Uh, He admitted that in federal court during the trial of Eric Kay, who was convicted on felony counts of distributing fentanyl, which ultimately led to Skaggs' death. Harvey said that he used cocaine and gave oxycodone to Skaggs and received it from him. Interesting. All of that goes down, and the punishment is 60 games. But yet, a couple weeks ago, Trevor Bauer... Not accused of, or actually is accused of sexual assault. And he's gone for the next two years. No charges pressed against him because the L.A. County D.A. said that there's not enough evidence, and yet he's suspended for two years. That's what I was talking about a couple weeks ago where the punishment doesn't add up to the crime. You see, it's, it's things like that that... It's that's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you that. Tariq Cohen, God, this guy can't catch a break. Working out today on Instagram Live, tore his Achilles. He's been injured for most of the last three seasons. Uh, he was trying to make a comeback to the NFL. Uh, the Bears released him in March because of all these past injuries, and he tore knee ligaments, and now he's got a torn Achilles. Like, man, James, when when is this guy going to get a win? Hopefully soon. Because I enjoyed watching him in Chicago. He's one of the few bright spots on the offense. Yeah. So it, it sucked to see him get released, but, I mean, it's like you've been injured the last couple years. Feel like, oh, well, he can make a comeback, and then he gets another injury, and it's an Achilles tear. So he's going to be out this whole year. It sucks. I wish him the best, though, for sure. Uh, I, I hope he's able to make a comeback and play for somebody and actually perform well. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. The other thing that I wanted to touch on right here is 
some PGA golf. The PGA Championship is this weekend at Southern Hills. Tiger Woods played his first official PGA Tour event in nearly 17 months at the Masters in April after nearly losing his leg. He called Augusta climbing Mount Everest. That's the steepest golf course you're going to play, and that was the first one you climbed, and I climbed it. It's going to get flatter and better. Now, six weeks later, Woods will attempt to win the PGA Championship for the fifth time when play begins on on Thursday. Southern Hills might not be as steep and rolling as Augusta National Golf Club, but it's hardly flat Oklahoma farmland. That is from Mark Schlabach, the senior writer for ESPN. Woods is a 15-time major champion, and he will be grouped with Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth. What a pairing. Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and Jordan Spieth. Thursday, they will tee off at 9-11 Eastern, and then Friday, they will tee off at 2:36 Eastern. Other featured groups include Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, and Colin Morikawa, which are currently the top three golfers in the world. And another major pairing is Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantlay, and Justin Thomas. James, do you see Tiger Woods ever winning a PGA Tour event again? I think I, I didn't even realize that Augusta was the most, I guess, high oh, terrain. I didn't realize very, it was the highest elevation. It's very hilly. Very that that's a brutal walk for somebody who just came off of a serious leg injury. Yeah. So the fact that he kind of it almost feels like he got like his biggest challenge out the way, and now that he's kind of gotten back into the swing of things. I think he definitely does have a good chance. I I believe he could. I, I I think he has a good chance of winning a major before before it's all said and done. I hope so, because man, to to see him win one more would be would be phenomenal. That's a that's a story. I always like to joke. That's a story that they would make movies about, but they really would. I mean, movies would get made about that moment. Uh, also tonight, you got two NHL games. The f- game one of these second round matchups in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Can Colorado shake off the rust? They've been sitting down for nearly a week. Can they get back on track against St. Louis tonight? Will Florida continue their, will the Florida Panthers continue their run and take out the two time defending champs? You got the Blues and Avs. At 8.30 on TNT, you've got the Lightning and Panthers at 6 on TNT. Both games are going to be great. Uh, The Lightning and Panthers, they've met last year in the playoffs. They're in-state opponents. uh, One's in Tampa, one's in Miami. That's going to be an interesting series. Uh, They play each other often throughout the year. They don't like each other. And then you got the Blues and the Avs. The Avs are probably the Stanley Cup favorite. The Blues having a solid year. What can they do to slow down the fast pace of the Colorado Avalanche? I just, this is, this is going to be fun. The next couple weeks, and my team isn't even in it. And I think that it's going to be just an insane amount of great hockey. So I'm really excited about that. We'll talk about those games as the series comes down the stretch. 
As a reminder, poll question on Twitter and Facebook. Give us your early Saints win total prediction. Six or less, seven to ten, eleven or more for the Super Bowl. So far, 26% say they're going to win a Super Bowl. 48% say 11 or more. And 26% say 7 to 10. Got a comment on the Facebook page for the poll question from Robert Duplachin. 11 plus. James, I know I know earlier you said that you agree with him. 11 plus. That puts you 11-6, 12-5, maybe even 13-4. and four. That's got to be good enough to win the division, right? Got to be. I mean, it's it's got to put you it's got to put you at the 2 or 3 seed at the worst. Yeah. Cuz there's not there's not too many NFC teams right now that like really jump off the page. I mean, Dallas is going to win probably 12 them and or the Eagles. I think the Eagles are actually going to win the division. In the East? Yeah, in the hmm. NFC East. That could be interesting. It'll be what? The Eagles, and then the it'll be out of the Eagles and Cowboys. Yeah, because yep. I, I don't believe in the Giants or the Commanders right no. now. So one of them is going to have to get stuck with the five seed, but I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. But 12, 12 and 5, depending on how the kind of – Nuances and like doing a deep dive into the tiebreakers. I think the I so think the think, Saints so if they go Tampa, twelve and five at worst as well. I think they could. I I think Tampa's going to go about ten and seven. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Um, uh, man, Tom Brady coming back. They just, they might go they'll they might go eleven and six. I think they could make a late run and and get that eleventh win and make a push for. It, but I think the Saints. Getting that week eighteen win over the Panthers to push it to twelve or thirteen will do it for them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Quickly before we take a timeout, the LSU softball team is preparing to make its twenty third NCAA tournament appearance, and it'll be their seventeenth consecutive. They are traveling to Tempe, Arizona this weekend, as they will be the two seed in the Arizona State Regional. Arizona State being handed the number eight national seed, they will play. In the regional, they will be paired with Arizona State, San Diego State, and Cal State. Fullerton, the Tigers' first game, will be on Friday at 7 p.m. against San Diego State on ESPNU. LSU entering the softball, the NCAA softball tournament with a 34-21 to record. They did have the third toughest strength of schedule in the country in 2022. Can the Tigers get it done? Can they advance into a Super Regional like they have done time and time again? We'll find out this weekend. I think they've got a good shot. It's a tough draw. They're going to play some top-level opponents, but it's nothing that, that Beth Tarina hasn't seen before. So excited to see what they do, excited to see what the Cajuns do, and we'll also talk about McNeese a little later on in the hour. Let's take a timeout, and when we return... NBA playoffs, me and Mesh are going to dive deep into the Celtics' heat, and we'll also start talking about Mavs' Warriors tomorrow night. You're listening to The Game, 103.7 Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's time for the Downtown Rising trivia question of the day. Two free tickets to Downtown Rising to see Cold War Kids on Saturday, June 4th. Here is your question. Who was the first Houston Astros pitcher to win the Cy Young? You don't have to get the year. You just need the player. Who was the first Astros pitcher to win the Cy Young Award? You can only guess one time. So if you get it incorrect, you cannot guess again. 706-0111, first person to call in on the hotline. We'll get those two free tickets to Downtown Rising to see the Cold War kids on Saturday, June 4th. Here in Acadiana, don't forget to watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS Fiber if you want to look at some handsome mugs from Miguez and Mesh. The NBA playoffs going to continue tonight with the conference finals, the Eastern Conference finals, first up tonight, a 7.30 tip between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Boston finishing the regular season at 51 and 31 Miami finishing at 53 and 29. You know, you always want to look at the battle of the players on the floor, but how about the coaches? Eric Spolstra, who has proven time and time again that he's one of the top coaches in the NBA, and Yume Adoka for for Boston, took over for Brad Stevens, has really righted the ship for the Celtics. Can the Celtics do what everybody said at the beginning of the year that they would do and go win an NBA championship? They're going to have to do it without Marcus Smart. They're going to have to do it without Al Horford as well. Uh, For Miami, the Heat will be out. Kyle Lowry, excuse me, will be out for Miami. So that'll be interesting to see what is going to happen for the Heat, because obviously Jimmy Butler is their go-to guy, but I mean Kyle Lowry's leading the team in assist. You got Tyler Hero, you've got Jimmy Butler, but if you don't have a facilitator like Kyle Lowry to really distribute the ball, what kind of hiccup does that put in your in your lineup? According to the ESPN Pick Center, Miami is a two-point favorite tonight. With a over under of two oh three and a half, I, I like the Celtics in this one, and we'll get James's take in a minute. But I, I'm really a fan of the Celtics in this one. I'm a fan of the Celtics in this series. I think that Boston is just going to end up being way too much to handle for for Miami. Uh, so I, my prediction for this series is Celtics and six, and then the other one it doesn't start till tomorrow, but we'll go ahead and touch on it now. It's Dallas and Golden State. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, 
you know, this has been a series that people have have asked for 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 a while now. Young blood versus the proven goat of of you know this this generation can Luca, who doesn't have a whole lot of help in Dallas, other than maybe Spencer Dinwiddie, can Luca bring this team back to the NBA Finals for the first time since Jason Kidd and Dirk did it in 2011? Because, I mean, if you look at it, Dirk, Luca leads the team in points, he leads the team in assists, he leads the team in rebounds. Can he put this team on his back like he did against Phoenix? and carry them through another series. Can Steph and Clay figure out why the hell they've been playing such sloppy basketball and figure things out? Because let, let's be quite honest, if it wasn't for John Morant getting injured, I don't think that they're even in this series. I think it's the Mavs and Grizzlies. The Warriors got lucky with John ja Morant going down, I don't know if they're going to be so lucky this time around. And if that's the case, a Mavs-Celtics final, that could be interesting. That could be incredibly entertaining. So we'll see what's going to happen there. We'll see what happens in the NHL like we talked about earlier with the Blues and the Avs and the Lightning and the Panthers. As a reminder, today is the day that you will join the Game Rewards Club. Yeah, I said it. Today's going to be that day. Not only is it free, but you're going to get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts. How about a twenty? How about a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's? The only way to score those gift certificates, again, $50 to Half Shell Oyster House and $150 to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse is by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Again, it's free. So go sign up right now. Once again, Downtown Rising trivia question of the day. Who was the first Houston Astros pitcher to win the Cy Young? First person to call the hotline, 706-0111. When, with the correct answer, wins the tickets. It's going to be a great show. Cold War Kids, Clay Carmier, Andy Frasco in the UN, Julian Primo. It's going to be a great time at Park International on Saturday, June 4th. Again, first Astros pitcher to win the Cy Young. First person to call the hotline with the correct answer gets two tickets to Downtown Rising. We'll take a timeout when we return to the Moon Tuesdays. With Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU. You're listening to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Fly me to the moon. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking up. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Me, guys, and Mesh Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. It is time for To the Moon with Apollo Dez 
of Apollo HOU. Des, what's going on, my man? How are you? I'm good, bro. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So let's let's look at last night before we move into tonight's game. A 6-3 defeat at the hands of the Boston Red Sox. But, you know, the storyline is Jake Odorizzi going down with a non-contact leg injury. What's the latest you can tell us, man? Yeah, so before we got on, it, it seemed like that was a positive uh, development with Odorizzi. Obviously, the Astros play everything close to their chest. Um, being carted off and saying leg discomfort is absolutely bananas. But uh, I'm thinking we may get some positive news. I guess Dusty Baker says it isn't as bad as they thought it was. But knowing them, he may have amputated his leg. We have no idea because the Astros are so secretive with uh, injuries and stuff like that. So if uh, somehow he can pitch this year, that'd be that'd be great news. According to Jason Bristol of KHOU, it says still waiting on results of Jake Odorizzi's MRI, but according to Dusty Baker, the team may have dodged a bullet. Yeah, that'd be that'd be huge. Uh, look, Jake Jake Odorizzi got a lot of flack um, the first couple of weeks, and you know he had sat down, had a conversation with Justin Verlander, and all of a sudden, his last three or four starts, he's been great. So. Uh, Getting him back to be able to eat innings um, is going to be huge. Chatting with Apollo Dez here on To the Moon. Trevor Story and Xander Bogarts getting home runs to help win the game 6-3 to three for Boston last night. How do you think the rain delay in the game yesterday might have messed things up? Yeah, I think uh, the rain delay plus the senior pitcher being carved off is just kind of deflating. Um I expect the boys to bounce back today and, and hang a number and uh, take care of the Red Sox. Um, look, we've had a heck of a, a road trip. Um, let's let's close it out. Let's win another series and get back to uh, Minute Park. Twenty three and thirteen so far on the year. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier. Twenty three and twelve was their second best thirty five game start in program in franchise history. The last time, the only time that it was better was when they went twenty four and eleven in. 2017, which we all know what happened in 2017. You won a World Series. Yeah, what? absolutely. I, I think this team's built a little different than the years past, but the formula works, and the Astros just keep winning, and it's got to be just excruciating painful for all the haters out there that are sitting there with all this new teams that turn over the roster, and yet they're still winning. So it's a product of Everyone in that front office, um, you know, from the scouting analytics department to the players, uh, up and down the coaching staff. So, um, I I just love it. I, I love winning, and it, it's a lot of fun right now. Chatting with Apollo Des of Apollo Hou here on To the Moon. Let's talk about Hector Neris. You know, he's kind of been a bright spot for for the Astros rotation lately, coming in as the closer to really shut the door in a lot of games. But last night, three runs on three hits with a walk. In the eighth inning, he was dealt the loss in that game. What, what do you? What did you see, and what do you think was the issue with Hector Neris last night? Yeah, I think it's just uh, our pin's kind of been run down a bit, and um, you just kind of saw it rear its head a little bit. Uh, I'm not too worried about Neris. He's been he's been pretty dang good um, this entire tenure so far. So um, it's baseball; it happens. Sometimes your guys get touched up a bit, and. Uh, you got to tip your cap. The Boston was able to, you know, they had the same rain delay we did, and they were got to, they focused up and they and they got a win. Um, 
especially after Altuve, you know, gave us the lead. So, um, it's, it's baseball. It happens in Aries. I think is, is still a big part of, of this uh, bullpen and, and how we move forward. Let's talk about Nathan Avaldi for a second, the the Red Sox starter for tonight. How impressive do you think that it is for everything that he has gone through to now be back in the game of baseball and, and playing at a high level for the Boston Red Sox? Oh, yeah. I mean, Nate Avaldi's an Alvin, Texas boy, right? Right down the road, Nolan Ryan came from the same um, town. Everyone kind of compares the two because they both are over 100 miles an hour, but uh, for Nate to reinvent himself, and then obviously in that World Series run in uh, 2018, he was just, he was like Madison Bumgarner from the right side. Just always was getting the ball in the big spots, always getting the big strikeouts. Um, so as a as a Texas native, I'm, I'm obviously pumped for him and to, to see him bounce back the way he has. But uh, hopefully tonight the, uh, the Astros bats get to him a little bit. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Des, I got to ask you, and this isn't Astros related, I, I know – by looking at your social media, that you are a Texas State fan. How did yeah. how did you feel watching Texas State sweep the Raging Cajuns this this past weekend? So uh, I'm a I'm a Longhorn fan, but I have a I have a soft spot for the the Bobcats in San Marcos, right down 35. Um, I think both both programs are, are are pretty dang good, but to see Texas State have I think 41 wins and get a big sweep like that. Um, it's super impressive. I don't want my Longhorns to be in their regional at all because it's not a good uh, <laughs> recipe. I think this Texas State team can make some make some noise here in a couple more weeks. Yeah, they're they're definitely uh, they're definitely impressive. There's there's no doubt about that. All right, let's go back. Let's go back to the Astros. I just had to throw that uh, that question in there real quick. <laughs> Looking at looking at the statistics, you know Michael Brantley still leading the batting average with 281. Alex Bregman up to 22 RBIs. You know this team's really looking like they can just spread the love around on offense. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. The Astros are 23 and 13, like you said, and the offense, other than outside a few games where they just abrupt for runs, statistically they haven't been playing or playing up to their standards. Um, that's scary for the league because they're going to regress positively to the mean. And these guys are going to get hot and their averages are going to go up. And I think uh, as the temperature rise, they're going to get uh, those averages are going to rise and the ball is going to start flying a little bit more. Um, but I'm, I'm excited because that means, you know, we're, we're winning when we're not efficient, we're efficiently being statistically good offensively. Um, so that excites me uh, as we move forward. You know, Kyle Tucker's had a, had a good start to the year. 246, five homers, 19 RBIs. He's got eight stolen bases already. Do you think he's on track to have an MVP-type season? Uh, yeah, I think he'd be a 30-30 guy. Uh, I really do this season. Uh, being already at eight, um, stolen bases, is, I think it's huge. And then, obviously, the power. He just has really, really bad luck to start seasons off. And I really think that we're going to get to see a Kyle Tucker – Maybe not win MVP this year, but get some votes and get some real momentum going into uh, 2023 where he can get that MVP. And then Jordan Alvarez. I mean, 11 home runs already. That That's a home run every third game. That That's yeah. that's an insane average for for a guy who 
you know, he, he's been known to hit home runs, but man, if you just, again, I talked about spreading it out. Altuve's got seven. Pena's got six. Alvarez has 11. Tucker and Bregman both have five. Like, these are some scary numbers that the Astros are putting up. Yeah, I, I think, I think Jordan's just, he gets lumped into, into this David Ortiz mold, right? They're both lefties, bigger guys um, from the DR. And, I think he's just a more complete hitter in the sense, and this is not disrespecting David Ortiz because he's the best to ever do it. But Jordan hits the ball to the to the power alley to left field. He, he hits balls 500 feet to left field. He is just a complete hitter through and through, and it's special to watch him go to work. Um, we we see in the 600 million square foot home runs that he hits, you know, the deep right field. But he works at bats. He's a really really great student of the game. You can just always tell that he's working. So. Um, we're truly spoiled to see this lineup and to have him and Tucker for um, the foreseeable future before we lock them up. Um, I, I just love it. Two more for you outside of Jake Odorizzi. How's the injury front for the Astros? Yeah, we got Jeremy Pena. We got Jeremy Pena coming back today um, after I think he missed four games due to uh, knee discomfort. That discomfort word again. So. Um, glad to have him back. And then uh, Michael Schwab did a did a post about Lance McCullough Jr. and how he was progressing, and it seemed positive on, on that front. I didn't get to read the entire uh, story, but um, be able to get Lance back here hopefully soon, hopefully by you know July would be you know like we acquired a big arm. Last thing I've got for you, man. The MLB announced a sixty game suspension for Matt Hardy, Matt Harvey in his distribution of quote a drug of abuse what are your what are your thoughts on on that topic and just that storyline as a whole yeah the storyline is, is just sad uh, just as it unfolded um during the lockout and to hear to hear everything that happened is just it's sad and sickening and um harvey only getting 60 and it was retroactive uh it just—it's—I just feel for the Skags and their family, and um, you know, no one—no one's gonna win in this situation. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Des Apollo Des of Apollo Hou, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, hopefully, the Strohs can can get a win or two here in Boston and come back home on a high note. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 17th, 1998. New York Yankees pitcher David Wells tosses a perfect game in a 4-0 victory over the Minnesota Twins at Yankee Stadium. At the time, the perfect game was only the 15th in Major League Baseball history. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The LSU Tigers look to get back on track tonight against the Nichols Colonels in the team's final midweek contest of the regular season. First pitch set for 6.30. Pre-game is at 6. You can hear all the action live right here on the game. These Astros, meanwhile, will be taking on the Red Sox at Fenway Park. First pitch scheduled for 6.10. And you can listen to that on our sister station, News Talk 98.5. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. 
James, earlier you didn't get to you didn't get to share your your spiel on the NBA because you were you were fielding phone calls for the downtown rising trivia question, which by the way the correct answer was given in. Uh, it's Mike Scott. In 1986, Mike Scott won the was the first Astros player to win the Cy Young again in 1986. He was a Cy Young three-time All-Star, NLCS MVP. He held an ERA title. His statistics in 86, he went 18 and 10, had a 2.22 ERA. He threw 275 and a third innings. 182 hits, 73 runs, only 17 home runs. He walked 72 and struck out 306. 306 strikeouts in a season. That is absolutely insane. Pretty cool statistic, though, James. Well, not statistic, more like a story. I have a Mike Scott jersey. Uh, I went to an Astros game on a Saturday, and they were doing a jersey giveaway, and it's a Mike Scott rainbow jersey. From uh, um, from the eighties, but uh, you you know what I'm talking about the rainbow jerseys, the white ones with the with the stripes down the bottom. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a it's a Mike Scott rainbow jersey. It's pretty solid. I'm a I'm a big fan of it. All right, let's do this. Celtics Heat tonight. I want you to tell me why you think the Celtics are going to win, and then I want you to tell me why you think they won't win. I think they win. Because Jason Tatum, I believe they finally figured it out. I think I think they finally have figured out the formula on how to win. Also, whenever the Celtics do have at least one starter missing, they're five and one, I think, so far this playoffs. So I don't know if this means that the Celtics will win by forty. And you just double up because you have two being out with Al Horford and Marcus Smart. But it looks good. On the opposite side, you have two starters missing. It's ne- it's never optimal. You never want to have two of your three, two of your five starters missing for the game. Robert Williams will be back. He has he has uh, had a few last couple practices that have looked good for him but it does worry me that you won't be missing just one you'll be missing two starters now Miami will be missing Kyle Lowry for this game but Jimmy Butler does worry me he's a he's a jack of all trades he can do it all he can score from pretty much anywhere he always finds a way it's weird I I don't understand it how he he's a he really is a jack of all trades because he's really good at everything, but he's not a master, you would say, of anything. He's he's really good at defense. He's pretty good at turnaround Jays. He can hit corner threes. He's just an all around scorer. He he can pass it pretty well. He's not great at anything. That's why it always fascinates me that Miami was the one seed at fifty three and twenty nine. When it's like they don't have like that that guy. They don't have a top five guy. But you got Jimmy Butler leading the way. And they're still the one seed. It's weird to me. Yeah. Um do you think that the Celtic how quickly do you think the Celtics get it done? Because I know you think that they're gonna win the series. How quickly do you think they get it done? 
It definitely won't be a sweeper, gentlemen. Sweep. I know that for sure. I, I just can't see it. I, Miami's the number one seed for a reason. They they have good defense. They they have ways to score. Now, it, it'll. I'm leaning more towards the six games. I th- I think it. I think they take it in six, but. With how many people are saying it, I'm saying they win it in six. You're saying they win it in six. Ray saying they win it in six. A lot of the media is saying they win in six. A lot of the fans. It's worrying me that maybe it takes seven games. Or what if the Miami Heat do win it in six or seven? And then it's like we just flip the script. How much of an upset Boston Celtics fan would you be if they dropped the series? Pretty upset. Pretty upset. Because it feels like right now the stars have aligned. Because you look at it. Miami took you out in 2020, four to two. The Bucks took you out four to one in 2019, and the Nets took you out in 2021 in four to one in five games. So it's like you you knocked out, bought you knocked out Brooklyn 4-0 in the first series. You got your revenge on Milwaukee from 2019. Feels like destiny says. It's time to get my revenge on Miami. So it feels destined to be, but sometimes it feels like Jimmy Butler is that guy that could break destiny. Honestly, yep. yep that that's not that's not a surprising way of looking at it. Um, but again, you know, talking about tonight's game, no Marcus Smart, no Al Horford. It'll definitely suck. You get Robert Williams back. You do, but and and it feels like and the thing is with that is. You're losing kind of the the guys that could really play defense on Giannis, but but Miami doesn't have a Giannis. They do have a Bam Adebayo. They do have a Bam Adebayo. A Bam, Bam is definitely better than Robert Williams, but it feels like those two could handle each other. Like yep. Bam won't go crazy because Rob should be healthy enough to handle that and like kind of control him. At that point, you won't have Smart. But Jalen Brown is a is a better matchup with Butler than he is with Giannis, right? Because every time you saw Gian, I think Giannis scored pretty much every time. At least he he was probably ninety percent from the field whenever Jalen Brown was guarding him. Whenever they switched, so Jalen will definitely have a better time guarding Jimmy, I would say, than he obviously would have with Giannis. So I feel like things can cancel out. Jimmy's still going to get his one way or another. But I, I still think Boston should have the edge. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Boston's going to get it done. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown together. They're just they're just too good. They're just too good. Um, and then, like, like I was talking about earlier, the Heat don't have Kyle Lowry. They don't have their leading assist guy. They don't have Duncan Robinson either. Right. So how does not having that facilitator in Lowry affect Butler and Tyler Hero? It'll be interesting. Uh, before we run, starting lineup for LSU tonight against Northwestern, batting first and in right field is Josh Pearson, batting second and in center field is Dylan Cruz. Batting third and at first base will be Trey Morgan, followed by Cade Doty at second base. Tyler McManus will bat fifth and catch. Braden Jobert will be your DH and bat sixth. 
Jordan Thompson is the shortstop and will bat seventh. Josh Stevenson, Lafayette product in left field, he'll bat eighth. And Collier Cranford will bat ninth and play third base. And your pitcher for the Tigers tonight is Bryce Collins. And now for on, on the Raging Cajuns side of things, their lineup for their midweek contest tonight against Nichols will read something like this. Batting first and playing DH is Connor Kemple. Batting second and in center field is Max Marshock. Batting third and in first base is Carson Rockefort. Batting fourth and at third, Tyler Robertson. Batting fifth and at short, Kyle DeBarge. Sixth and right field is Heath Hood. Batting seventh and behind the dish is Julian Brock. Batting eighth and in left field is Connor Higgs. Batting ninth and playing second is Warner Rinconis. And your pitcher tonight, the pride of Hanville, Austin Perrin, will be on the mound for the Vermilion and White against Nichols. Tomorrow, only a one-hour show for Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. It's going to be jam-packed. Jay Walker is going to join the show a day early for Cajun's Corner due to scheduling concerns for Louisiana. Uh, Being the last weekend of the series, they're going to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Jay Walker will join us tomorrow for Cajun's Corner and a whole lot more. We'll recap the Heat and Celtics and, again, so much more. Appreciate Noah Tingle and Apollo Dez for joining us today. For James Mesh, I am Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. LSU baseball is up next on Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.